Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Well, ho, 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 happy holidays. Welcome to Let Me Introduce You. My name is Katie, and I am one of your illustrious hosts. I'm also joined by... Graham. (laughs) That's all you get this week. (laughs) That's fine. I couldn't think of a good adjective for myself this week. (laughs) You'd only need the one. Okay, good. Yeah, Graham is an adjective and a verb and a noun. It's it's all of the types of words wrapped up into one. Your slightly less illustrious host is Ashley. Hey, hey, y'all. Hi. So hopefully you know our spiel by now, but we are three friends who met in film school almost 20 years ago. Um, excuse me. We're not just friends. Okay. Life partners? Best friends. Life partners. Best friends. Oh I went all. Oh. <laughs> We are best friends. I just want to be clear. Best friends. We have loads in common, except for our taste in movies. So, in the true spirit of friendship, this week I hope it's not friendship is suffering, but we'll see. (laughs) Because friendship is suffering. (laughs) Yes, it is. But just because we haven't been able to do our yearly trip together. Yes, yes. That's true. So we will be introducing a movie that at least one of us has not seen. We will break it down, talk about why that movie is important to us, why we like it, and why we wanted to introduce the others to it. So this is our third episode in our Holla Yay! Yay! Where... (laughs) That was very well coordinated, I'm proud. And we're talking about Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. And this week was my pick, and I introduced these two. I've said before, it's insanely hard picking Christmas movies for these two, so I was like, I'm going to go horror. And I think I picked a really good one. Today we're talking about the 1974 snowy slasher, Black Christmas. Alliteration, hello. I know, it's it's almost like it's my job. (laughs) (laughs) So this film is regarded as being one of the very first slasher films, along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out the same year, Bay of Blood, Psycho, and Peeping Tom. It is one of the very first slasher films ever to put the audience in the killer's POV. (gasps) Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is like classic, classic. It's also, the it holds the honor of the very first seasonal slasher film. So, a.k.a. a horror movie tied to a specific holiday. You know, you've got, like, Friday the 13th and prom night and other nonsense. But this was the first wow, one. Wow, I really started a bunch. Yeah, this yeah, was a big... Yeah, you really big, got a lot. This was a big inspiration, especially for John Carpenter's Halloween, which came out a few years later. So, Ashley, if you would do the honors and give us a synopsis of Black Christmas... I would, I would be much love obliged. To. Thank you. I would love to. Not to be a film school jerk and a well actually you. Please. But Bob and I were talking about we're talking about like all the tropes and everything. And he mentioned that Dario Argento and others in like Italian cinema were kind of doing like a little like slasher stuff. They call them giallos. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. So I was like, ooh, and then it makes me want to like compare like Italian film and US film. Anyways, we can probably get into that. I'm just getting too excited. <laughs> well, no, I'm no, getting no. excited I mean, about a horror movie, Katie. Dario's got, you know, a lot of great slasher films. He's like the pinnacle when it comes to Italian horror. But I, you know, I'm not saying that this is the first slasher film by any mm. means. But, but it's it, one of the first was, popular ones, right? Uh, it wasn't popular when it came out. 
<laughs> so I'm jumping ahead. Why don't we get to the synopsis yes. before we dive further okay. in? <laughs> but yes, Ashley, please, please synopsisize us. Okay, Black Christmas. We open in a sorority house. Just drunk girls having a good time, 70s hair, 70s clothing, and they get a really creepy phone call, like just like some sort of crank call, and there's heavy breathing, and it sounds really disturbing, right? At, a, at another point early on in the film, we also see like a POV, kind of like shaky camera, remember this is before Steadicam, right, of somebody like sneaking into a closet or something. And this, this nice girl, Claire, is like, oh, I'm going to go up to bed because I haven't hexed my bags to leave and my dad's coming to get me. And we go upstairs and, like, she's pulling clothes out and she gets suffocated to death. She is the first kill of this by, like, a dry cleaning mm-hmm. plastic bag around a dress. And we cut to the next day and her dad's there and he's like, excuse me young man, I'm supposed to meet my daughter. She's not here. It's one o'clock. And so that guy takes her to the sorority house. They go to the police station to report her missing. Other stuff happens. I'm actually, this. I'm like really not good at this this week. Oh, wow. Um, do you want me to show me your It's really terrible. It was really terrible. Graham, do you want to tag in? Do you want to tag team in? Sure. So tag me out. Tag me out. Okay. So (laughs) the the man goes back to the house to investigate where his daughter is. Runs into like the house lady, the house, the the lady of the house, mother, house house mother, mother. mother. You can tell I do not know anything. The drunk house mother. She's like, I don't know. She wasn't here. And then she ends up getting killed as well because she investigates the sounds coming from upstairs, and that's where the body of Claire is stowed. And throughout all of this, there's like there's. Lots of calls coming to the house, harassing these these young women. And then you have Jess, who is a member of the sorority, who has this boyfriend, Peter, who's a concert pianist. She announces that she's pregnant and she wants to abort the baby because she has basically like Peter's pressuring her to have the baby. And she's like, no, I have things that I want to do with my life. And there's this whole kind of like storyline with them. More murders happen with other sorority sisters in the house. The police begin to suspect that Peter is one is perhaps a killer. And then at the end, we have Jess in the house by herself thinking that the other sorority sisters are upstairs asleep. They're actually dead. And the phone <laughs> rings. It's the guy calling again to harass them. The police have put a tracker on it. And they realize the call is coming from inside the house. Oh, no! And they said, Jess, you got to get out of the house. And she just for some reason decides to grab a poker and go upstairs to investigate. She was worried about she her She was worried friends. about her friends thinking they, they were, were still dead. alive. And then realizing they're not, she tries to run out. The killer comes, grabs her hair. It's this like tussle. She ends up going into the basement. Peter shows up and then more screaming. The police enter the basement and they see Peter dead and Jesse kind of over his body. Like he's laying on top of Jesse. You think Jesse's dead. Jess, excuse me. Jess, she just opens Jess. her eyes and like, oh god, she's just safe. Jess. She's safe. She's safe. And then cut to the next shot is she in her bed, passed out because she's been through all this trauma and there's all these policemen in, in the house. They decide And they're really into sedatives yeah, in the sedatives. They're just like, you know, leave her alone, let's just go. And they leave her alone, and then you realize that there's like silence and there's a phone call happening, like ringing of a phone happening about thirteen times, and it's implied she may have been the final victim. 
Because nobody yes. checked the attic. Checked the yes, attic. so the world's Poor worst police, police. God, the police suck in this. I know, they're so they are terrible. They're not good. So, Graham, thank you for tagging in. <laughs> Ashley, thank you for a, a good start. <laughs> no, it was a shit start. So, Graham, thank you <laughs> for tagging in. That was a good tag in. And this was new to both of yes. you, right? Neither yeah. of you had seen it? Yeah, I'd heard about it, but I'd never, never seen it. And there was a... I, like, when I saw the 2019 remake, then Bob just, you know, started horror moving at With me. With so. Carrie Elwes, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. It's a Blumhouse movie? Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Yeah. I've not seen that one. They've been, they've remade it twice. Once in 2006, which sucked. It went into the background of the, of Billy and his sister Agnes. So, listeners, when the caller calls the house and talks to sorority girls, it's known as the moaner. And he winds up saying all of these insanely obscene things. It sounds like he's speaking in three different voices. And he keeps coming back to this thing where he calls himself Billy. He speaks in the voice of his mother. And he talks about his sister Agnes. And it's kind of implied that there's some history to that. And I can I can talk a little bit about that later. But the 2006 remake kind of goes into that. And it's just shit. Yeah, I remember that came out. And it was like, people said, don't. Go see this. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-mm. See the original. Yeah. Yes. So, Graham, why don't you tell me what you thought about yeah. it? I know it's very different from our holiday fair, but that's kind of what I was yeah. going for. Yeah, so I actually, I got this mixed up with a totally different movie, actually. I thought we were going to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh. oh my god! And I for some reason, I had this kind of in my head because I know that one was really controversial when it came out. Because I thought we were having like a murderous Santa Claus in this. Oh no! That, first of all, that movie's horrible. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So no. tell, but people love it. It tells you how much I don't know about horror. And <laughs> and I think we've gone through this. Like Graham is not a huge fan of horror, not because he doesn't. I don't think they're bad, badly made. I just like oh, it scares me. I dug this movie, Katie. I actually really... Graham liked a horror. Katie, you did it. I dug it. I thought that the ambiance of the film was really, like, trippy. I liked the kind of the the way... I thought the the kills were really creative. Yeah. They just... This wasn't, like, stabbing. These weren't, like, like stabbing with a knife. There were some, like, pretty interesting kills in this. The ones that you saw. Yeah, what is it? The house mom gets, like, a claw through the head, and then she gets pulled up into the yeah. attic but you guys don't see any exactly of that. and I, that's so, that's also why i like it kitty because i think sometimes horror films go over the top with gore and i think the mm-hmm. less that you saw the more i was like oh this is really terrifying mm-hmm. i thought the performances were great i love seeing margot kidder in something that was non-superman related same loved andrea martin in one of her early roles pre-sctv i was like who oh, is that i was like oh my god that's andrea martin I know. It's like super young, and, Andrea. Yeah. And for also from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. The thing, it was my twin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's who That's she Andrea was? Martin. Yes. Yes. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Yes. And Olivia Hussey, Romeo and Juliet. Hello. Mm-hmm. And It, the, t- the miniseries. So yes. Just I was kind of taken aback by the cast. I thought the cinematography was great. I love yeah. the look of the Christmas lights in this movie. Yeah, yeah, so they have the yeah. red ones on the wreath on the door, mm-hmm. and then the ones on the tree. It almost felt like it felt like a Yeti Christmas tree because it's covered in like this like white stuff with also the lights. I I don't know why I like it. I like I love 
So I've, I've talked before about why I love 70s movies and the way they feel and the way they look and just the texture of everything feels like I can feel like, you know, that that sweater that Mrs. Mac, the house mother, buys and makes fun of. Like, I can feel that, like, polyester in my mm. hands and I can see, like, the carpet on the floors and, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it was, it was, so I guess because it was one of the early earliest, quote unquote, like, slasher films wasn't following a certain like do this 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 and this it was kind of like forging its own path and yeah i don't know I, I liked i don't know if like it was supposed to be feminist but it felt pretty feminist in some parts of it but yeah katie i was pleasantly surprised by this i really dug it oh good yeah good 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 ashley what about you what'd you think i liked it i was like i was man into i got it. two for i know two. this i know no, this rarely that. happens <laughs> yeah so just like when you're picking horror, just make it Christmas themed and we'll be into it. <laughs> Except for Silent Night, Deadly Night. There are so, oh, first, oh, shit. Graham, I meant to tell you, uh, confusing it with Silent Night, Deadly Night is a very like easy thing to do because the original title, the original release of this in America was called Silent Night, Evil Night. Oh, okay. Which had nothing to do with Silent Night, Deadly Night or anything else. And so it was originally released in Canada. It's a Canadian film. And they kept the Black Christmas title after Silent Night, Evil Night didn't do well at all. So could be easily yeah. confused. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think I read somewhere that they didn't want to call it Black Christmas so it wouldn't get confused as a black exploitation film. Correct. Okay, got yes. it, got it, got it. Yes, yes. The uh, the studio execs over, I, I guess, at Warner Brothers because they had bought the distribution rights to this film. Yeah, they had a lot of thoughts and, I bet. Uh, they, had, they, had, they had a lot of thoughts. But yeah, they, they thought that it sounded like a black exploitation mm. film, mm. if you call it Black Christmas. Right. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Graham, I had the same feeling for you where I was like, yes, Jess, being like, yep, I did get pregnant, but I'm deciding for me that I want to have an abortion. And I was reading about how they weren't intending to make that statement, right? Like Bob Clark and the actress... Olivia Hussey. Olivia, Olivia Hussey. We're talking about how, like, no, that wasn't our intention at all. But again, this is what happens when the audience brings their own experiences and their own feelings to it, right? So, like, a creator can have one intent, but it'll impact mm -hmm. your audience differently. And this this came out a year after Roe v. Wade. So, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I read that same thing, Ashley, where I don't think they were intending to make a political statement. They just needed something for the two, for, for Jess and Peter to talk about. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I thought it, I was like, it works really well because then it turns Peter into a crazy Peter person. Peter is such a creep. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Such a creep. Oh my God. And he's I not know. a good piano player. He's not. No. He's no. been there for eight years. You suck, dude. I know. He sucks. I'm like, what I, a shitty program to not tell you, like, listen, man, you don't have it. Stop I wasting know. your well, money. Well, they, they like his getting his money, probably. <laughs> yeah. Pay that tuition. So, Peter, played by Cure du Duola. I, I never know how to say yeah, his it's last a, name. Yeah, it's a weird looking name. <laughs> Yes, but he is Dave in 2001's A Space Odyssey. Oh, re how old was he when the, he filmed this then? Because that was, what, five years ahead, earlier? Yeah, so that that was 68. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I, none of them were teenager. Right, right. Or, like, I think I he think, was actually 28. No. Yeah, and the youngest actresses were 21 or 22. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. I, let's talk about the cast a little yes. bit because this cast is friggin' baller. Like, when you look at... at Every single person, they are f amazing. And not only are they amazing in this film, but they go on to have, like, specific 
horror careers. Also, I think at least almost all of them were at one point in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Really? Yes. Yes. Every single one. Classic. Was in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. But yes, so we talked about Olivia Hussey. She was best known as Juliet in Franco Zeffirelli's Mm -hmm. 1968 Romeo and Juliet. That's kind of where I knew her from as well. And then watching this, I was like, Man, she's really good. Except her accent kind of goes in and out sometimes. But but she's actually British, though. Is she like? Yeah. I, mean, I liked it. I liked hearing her. I was like, British oh, you're accent. so posh. I love. it. I know. Right? It, it made it feel very classy. I also like the sweater she wore in the first scene with the two hands. That yes. Go like yes. Yeah. Over her breasts. Yes, of course. <laughs> Pod is a vi- podcast is a visual medium, Katie. <laughs> I can't see you yeah. put your hands over your breasts. <laughs> You can at some point. Um, we do videos. So she would go on to star in the It miniseries on television in 1990. Then you've also got Art Hinkle, who plays Chris, who's Claire's, Claire's boyfriend. With a fur coat. With a fur coat that I love. Yeah. That was his fur coat, by the way. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. way to bring your own like, field costume to I also think we should bring 70s, like style back in men in fur coats or at least like the fur collar i will only do it if it's here. faux excuse me oh of course yeah 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 i don't need it to be <laughs> or real if it's vintage vintage yes yeah. <laughs> but yeah hello i would love a fur coat give it to me but he would go on to so star great in california for you yeah, too great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was warm today but he would go on to star in invasion of the body snatchers oh. in 1978 which is again one of my all-time favorite movies have you guys seen that one i've seen what do you that think no. <laughs> no oh my god let's make him watch it we have to do that yes it's t- it's oh it's so good i love that movie with Donna's. anyway and then of course you've got margot kidder who i loved her character in this yes one did you guys barb. Hear? of course her name's barb i love it of course obviously her name's barb did you guys hear one of the first lines she was saying on the phone to her mom in the open in like one of the opening scenes remind me she's on the phone talking to her mother her mother's canceling Christmas plans, and you overhear her saying, "You're a real gold-plated whore, mother. You know that." <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, like the kind of like the party girl, I guess, of of the house, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She, what I what, my favorite line of hers was actually at the beginning too, Katie, when she's like, "Where the hell were you guys when we were decorating that hall for all those children, for like some party?" And they go, "Well, we were there, blah blah." Like, how does it look? She goes, "Eulish. It looks very Eulish." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one. It's a great line delivery. Wasn't she also the one like feeding the kid champagne yes. or something? Yes. And the yeah, dad was getting that kid drunk. I was like, "What is this girl doing? She's just living her life yep. in a tight spiral downward." Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, a very tight downward <laughs> spiral. Pretty soon, she might become the house mother. <laughs> Who knows? Yes. Which, like, you know, I mean, I applaud her sort of for all the creative places she hid booze around the house. The house mother? Oh, but Mrs. Mac. Mrs. Mac, yes. the house Mac. mother. Oh my God. Love her. Yeah, but the one in the book, I was like, but what if it was a good book? I'm upset that you ruined it. And I was like, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I was like, it's pr- it probably sucked. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> she hid the booze in B for book. <laughs> yes, for I love booze. that. Mary Marion Waldman. I also love that when she hid, the, it, it's all Sherry. All Sherry. Okay. So of course, she's, she's a classy a lady. Weird. 
I don't know. It's a weird beverage. She hides it in the toilet tank, and it's tied to the flusher. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you see it. The girls would know that it's there. But she's got, yeah, she's got booze hidden everywhere. And I like when she goes out with one bit of Oh, yeah. I was really, like, I knew she probably wasn't going to make it to the end. But I was so bummed when she was killed. Because she was hilarious. I know. I loved her so much. So funny. I heard, I read that Bob Clark, the director, based it off his aunt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I read that I like, as I well. That and yeah. I could probably, you know, <laughs> they, they, they listen to this. I'm like, which one are you? <laughs> I, know. I totally knew she was going to die when she said to, I can't remember who she said it to, but she's like, I'm going to my sister's, so I won't be here when you get yeah. back. And I was I like, oh, that's like, and so like, I learned a lot about horror from watching Scream growing up, right? And so Scream talks about all the horror things. And I was like, you basically said, I'll be right back, yeah. you know? Um, but No, not, this but, sets yeah. up a lot of those tropes. It sets up that's the good trope of the final girl. Because mm-hmm. like, oh, they're not going to go look for her because she said she'd be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was funny. A lot of the time it was bothering me at first that nobody looks for Claire in her bedroom. And I was like, well, her dead body's there. And then I was like, oh, no, she's in the attic. Mm-hmm. And that, that image, so when Claire is killed with the plastic dry cleaning bag, that image of her with it's like sucked into her mouth, that's like the classic image of this movie. Yeah, so it's when on people the poster. Think of, yeah, it's really striking. I, would be like, I don't want to go see that. That looks scary. <laughs> <laughs> She actually like poked a hole in there and had to like suck it and just sit with it on her face when they were shooting. Well, I kept wondering if dry cleaning bags were thicker back then because right now they're so thin, you know, you break through them pretty easy. Put your tongue through it. Uh, (laughs) Again, visual medium. (laughs) (laughs) They can hear. Okay. (laughs) I do, I do kind of jump in with who I think is a true villain of this movie, which is the cat. The cat lured two people to their deaths. Did you catch that? I did. So the cat is in the Weird. closet, and the Claire goes and inspects the cat. Then that's where she's murdered. And then the right Clavykins. Bef- Clavykins, the cat. And right before Mrs. Mack is about to go to her cab, she hears the cat upstairs, and she goes up there. She's killed. This is why cats are evil. I dot my fee- my Phoebe would never do that. No, never. <laughs> I was sitting but here. I like cats. Watching, watching the whole, watching this movie with my cat, and I kept thinking. On one hand, I'm like, please don't kill the cat, and on the other hand, I'm like, she would kill this. Like, my this cat is a bitch, (laughs) and so (laughs) she she would kill whoever that is. She would like claw their eyes out. I guess it's good to have them around then. (laughs) Just, I thought you were, I thought you were gonna say like you were watching it with the cat, Katie, and the cat just like turned to you and goes, "If you don't take care of me." This is going to be you. <laughs> I will lead you to your yes. death. <laughs> and then the guy that I, I really wanted to talk about that I like audibly cheer when he comes on screen is John Saxon, who is he's the lieutenant in this film. And he's also best known as the father of Nancy in A Nightmare oh, on Elm Street. OK, OK. That guy's handsome. Yeah, I, I like his John look. Saxon's the best. He was in Enter the Dragon the year before this oh, yeah. film Enter the out. Dragon. Oh Enter mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sadly learned he passed away this year oh. in July. Oh. I know. Well, Which, how did he die? I don't know. Okay. I was but like, I was like, pneumonia. I read, I was like, John died. Well, he was 83. I love John He probably Saxon. lived a very long and healthy, happy life. Yes. He's oh. also in one of my favorite MST3K films, Mitchell. 
But I love John Saxon yeah, the best. Great. I know, Graham, you wanted to talk about the director and writer, yes. and I had, had some bits I wanted to say on them, too. So this film was directed by Bob Clark and written by Roy Moore. So... Bob Clark was the one who who came up with this film's title, Black Christmas. He liked the irony of, you know, such horrible things happening during a festive holiday. Graham, would you like to say what else he's known for? I just think, first of all, I think he has a very interesting background, but we've, we've talked about this before, but Ashley, he's the director of Baby Geniuses. What's that movie about again? What's the movie of that movie with the, with the babies and the geniuses? It's called Baby Geniuses, they're, Ashley. They're Baby Geniuses. <laughs> This is this is a long-standing joke in our friendship. One time, Graham and I were—I want to say we were g-chatting. No, we were together on a subway in, in person? New York City. Oh, we were. Yeah, so we were together on a subway. I literally turned to Graham and I go, "What's the name of nothing? that movie?" Just yeah, just out I don't of know. Nowhere. Yeah, I don't know where you were. Like you said, I just. I have a lot of, like, my mind will go to a lot of different places, and then I'll turn back, and it can be, like, 30 seconds, and you're like, what happened? And I go, what's the name of that movie with the babies and the geniuses? Baby geniuses. Oh, no, the babies who are geniuses? <laughs> oh, my God. Babies are geniuses, you idiot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Clearly, team, I've had long, yes. long-standing memory issues that I should probably go to a doctor to figure out, but, you know. But he also did A Christmas Story. Yes. And he directed so, uh, Porky's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's got a very kind of, it's either like horror or like comedy. It, it's it's a very interesting career that I felt like he had. Well, I like that he he stuck with Christmas when he did a Christmas Story, and then when he did Porky's, he brought Art Hinkle in to do it, who was play, who played Chris in this movie. Um, so Art Hinkle was also in Porky's, and the the cop that sucks. Whose name? Can I'm, you be specific? Which one? The, the really terrible one. The Nash. one who's like they literally tell him, "Don't tell her that the killer's in the house. Just get her out." And then he, he does. Says, I mean, she's gonna kill you. Him. Get out of the house. The, the one who doesn't upstairs. know what the word fellatio means. Oh my and thinks god! Thinks it's an exchange. Back when phone numbers were tied to addresses. Remember that before we had cell phones? It was great. I never this had like, a phone number tied to an address. What are you that was before about? our time. No, like landlines. Like your landline, like you could you knew it was traced back to an address. What? What? Landline. I know okay. what a landline is. I, I know what a landline, landline is. Too. So I what, what, a, what do you mean it's when I had my phone number when I was a kid, you like it's a landline, sure, but it you know, there wasn't like you wouldn't say exchange like Oh you no, know. no, we didn't live in exchange, but I just mean like the fact that a landline was tied to a physical oh. location oh. and like you didn't get to carry your phone number with you, right? Okay. Like that phone number is tied to an address. God, kids, a landline nope. is <laughs> for all those for all those teen listeners those that I'm sure we don't have. Those Gen Z if listeners, you're here, thank you. Yes. Like roping in with 70s content. Yes. That actor, Doug McGrath, he also was in Porky's. Hey, so, and Porky's made a shit ton of money when it came out. So I think I've only seen it once. So It's on Amazon Prime now. I might watch it. <laughs> you know, they, they were always wondering, like, why don't they make a sequel? Why don't they make a sequel? Bob Clark was actually working on a sequel, but unfortunately was killed in 2007 by a drunk driver. So he didn't get to oh finish it. Oh, my God. Yeah, but would it would have had something like... You know, it's a new sorority house, and Jess would have been returning for the the film, and she's she would have the been the house mother, right? She would have been the house. Okay, mother. so pause. So the end of this movie is left ambiguous as yes, whether or not wanna... whether or not she's killed. So mm-hmm. basically, he's saying if he was going to make it, she lived. 
Yes. Interesting. Yes. Oh, because I totally thought she was killed at the end of this. Yeah. I totally thought she was going to be dead. Because didn't the phone calls... So this is the interesting thing about the phone calls, and you'll have to remind me because memory. I couldn't remember if they preceded or came after a murder, but they. I feel like they usually preceded a murder, after. right? After. After. Oh, because there was just that first one, but then they always came after. So that's well, the, why I thought at the, the end that the phone ringing that much is like, you just fucking killed Jess. The first one, the first phone call, well, they said they'd been getting calls from the owner a bunch, but the first one they get was after the murder of the 13-year-old girl in the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, so yeah, usually her, like, her body was just like really mutilated and fucked up. And also, guys, what was with all the fires in steel barrels in the 70s and 80s? What, it's how was that a thing? That's a good what was point. that all about? Yeah, good point. You know, just keep it warm know, outside. It's cold. Outside. It's, cold. it's Canada. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. you know? Don't you know? It's, it's, it's a contained fire. Yes. I also did want to mention the writer. Roy Moore, because some of his inspirations and some of the real life connections to this movie mm. are kind of bananas. You know, so Roy Moore wrote this. He he didn't do too much after this. He wrote a little bit of television here and there, but nothing really before or after, which is kind of interesting since this is, well, technically not the first. This is the most widely regarded early use of the trope where the killer calls from inside the house. And he came up with that. And he came up with a lot of the like, tropes of like i was saying like the final girl and like the slut and like you know all like the the jockey guy and like he he came up with a lot of these things and put them in this movie and he was allegedly inspired by canadian serial killer from the 40s wayne borden yeah who i guess i don't know i don't know much about Mm. wayne borden and as well as the urban legend the babysitter and the man upstairs which also went on to inspire when a stranger calls which takes place later in the 70s yeah, the whole, like, the babysitter and the man upstairs, like, I remember reading different, like, iterations of that and just being so fucking freaked out. Mm-hmm. I also just recently watched Urban Legend. Speaking of Urban Legends. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's terrible. Yes. It's oh, yeah, so, it was awful, yes. but it was, so like, great bad. and bad. That was the first time you had seen it, Katie? Yeah, I'd never oh, seen my it God, before. we should have done that. Shut <laughs> up. I can't believe nah. All right, whatever. I know, I was and I'm just like, like, it's a horror that Graham and I have both seen and you haven't. <laughs> oh, no. Well, no, Jared Leto was terrible. And what was her face? Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, Rebecca Gayhart, also terrible. Yeah, but yeah. anyway. Regardless. Yeah. So an, uh, a real life connection that is really freaky. So this film was meant to air on NBC in January of 1978 under the title Stranger in the House. But on January 15th. Two female students were murdered at Florida State University by an assailant who broke into a sorority house where the students lived. Three other young women in the area were also attacked. So NBC pulled the broadcast. Do you know who that assailant was? No. Oh, what's his face? Who? Ted Bundy. (gasps) Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very, a lot of real life similarities. That is so Gosh. that is so crazy. And and I guess I wonder why and this isn't the, I mean this is the first movie that did it but like why so many horror films like have things that take place in sorority houses? It because like I mean why? Like why why a sorority house? First of all, I don't I I mean a couple take place in yeah. sorority houses, but I guess it's like where you gather young <laughs> where you gather young innocent people that don't think they will ever die and think they're invincible. 
mm. and are kind of stupid. Good point. One of my favorite horror movies ever is Cabin in the Woods. And that movie is so good. It is so good. Okay, good. So you guys have seen that. So at the at the end, they say that you know these these tropes keep happening. The reason they go after people is because they're young. Mm. So that's 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 the reason they get the revenge for for being young. Dang. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, a lot like horror has evolved over over the eons of of film and and storytelling in general. But I like seeing where a lot of the, the things that have been repeated so much, I like seeing where they come yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So the mouth-breathing killer POV, right? So the killer Billy, or whatever, for lack of a better term, I'll just call him Billy mm-hmm. for now. It, he, you see his point of view, and you hear his breathing, and you see him break into the house. Which, by the way, did you guys ever see Blowout? 1981's Blowout uh, with John Travolta? Yes, yes. As soon as I was watching Oh, I'm this, sorry. I shook my head. It's not a visual medium. No, I have not seen it. <laughs> well, John Travolta's got, like, kind of a stalker, too. And, yeah, he's going to, like, sorority houses and stuff, and it kept reminding me of that. Like, immediately, I was like, mm. oh, this looks like Blowout. But as Ashley had mentioned before, this film predated the invention of the Steadicam. So for listeners who might not know, the Steadicam is a stabilizer mount that allows for a smoother shot over an irregular surface. But this movie came out before that was invented. So cinematographer Albert J. Dunk, he rigged up his camera harness to his shoulder so he could walk around and climb up to the attic and like yeah. do all that other stuff. I was really so impressed by that. It was innovative both in storytelling and how it was shot and sound editing. Yeah. Too. I also liked, I mean, maybe I'm getting the lens incorrectly, but it seemed like it was almost a fisheye lens that he was using or some distortion, some distortion to the image to kind of put you into that frame of like, this person is unhinged. And mm-hmm. and I, I kind of enjoyed going from city cam shots of like the, the girls hanging out in their sorority house to this to like distorted, like almost fisheye lens view of what's going on in this person's mind it totally freaked me out mm-hmm. I, I know I'm, so, I'm just so glad you guys liked it <laughs> it's so hard to find something that you like did you how did you two watch this how did you access it it was free on youtube i watched it on shutter our shutter access was being weird and so bob took it off the internet and the first copy that he found was four by three and i was like this looks fucking weird so we went and downloaded the original 16 by 9 which I could not remember. I said 16 by something? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with my film muscle that I, I, I've forgotten I wouldn't, aspect I wouldn't have gotten ratios. that right either. I would have. But if you are going to watch this, get the 16 by 9, because you can definitely tell, like, you know, converted to 4 by 3, it just looks a bit more squished. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to, you're not going to see the things that Graham is talking mm-hmm. about. It's not going to be as clear yeah. if, if you're watching it in the, inc- what I'm going to deem is the incorrect <laughs> aspect ratio. So... We talked a bit about Billy, about the killer, about the different camera styles and the different audio that's used. I would like to see who you guys think was the faceless killer. If, so we have, we have Peter, mm-hmm. who, you know, was, was Jess's boyfriend. He does get bludgeoned at the end. Good. But he, he had motive. He seems insane. He's definitely losing his shit. And the bizarre music score, which in my head I was like, this would be really smart if it really is Peter. The bizarre music score created by Carl Zitter, he tied forks and combs and knives to piano strings and they sounded distorted when he hit them. 
Yeah, and I, I was literally like, wrote, I was like, what's up with that piano sound? If you use a distorted piano and your killer is a pianist, I was like, that would be really smart. Huh. I also like that, like, so I think it was after the house mother got killed and Jess comes home, Peter comes down from upstairs. He does. And he says, what was that shouting noise? Mm-hmm. And so it made it seem like, oh, I was here, but I didn't know what was going on. So it totally, like, I don't know, it just made me seem like... Oh, wait, are you the killer or are you not? So you've got Peter. You've got Chris, who is Claire's boyfriend, the guy with the fur coat. Claire does die first. And usually it's always the ex, you know, the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Something more personal is, an, is one of the early kills. It's usually someone that they know. Plus, sadly, that's that's true for real life. There are there. It's a much smaller number of being randomly killed by someone, usually killed by someone you know. I mean, other suspects, we've got, it could be Mr. Harrison, Claire's dad. It could be Jess herself. Who do you guys, who do you guys think? I thought it was, I honestly thought it was just a random madman. <gasps> Isn't that I so thought, scary, I thought though? that's what made it kind of scarier for me, is that, you know, you, you want to kind of make sense of it all. You make, you make one of sense, like, oh, this person is, is killing because it's an ex-boyfriend or, or because he is angry at Jess for wanting to have an abortion. And so I thought that it was honestly just like a random guy who went crazy and, and was just st- decided to, to stalk these girls because, hey, he walked by and they were having a party. And, and that's almost like the strangers-ish. Like, oh, well, you were mm-hmm. home, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so... The reason being is because when Barb is murdered mm-hmm. by by a glass unicorn, again, just like stabbing her repeatedly, so interesting that the, like using the stuff that she would decorate her room with killed her. There is an unbelievably creepy shot of him about to stab her, and all you see is his eye. Yeah, like that. Is that like weird that, iris? I believe it was actually a cinematographer who they used mm-hmm. for that. But role. honestly, like that. I had a nightmare about that later. Actually, I was like, oh my God, could you, you imagine really? just like waking up and this man is just over your bed and all you see is this like crazy eye, like ready to like kill you. Mm-hmm. And considering he didn't look like anything that we had seen, I I thought this is just a random guy and he decided this is the house of the girls I'm going to kill. That is definitely the scariest option. Because yeah, I was, I, I would do the same thing. Like I would watch it and I would be like, okay, he's wearing a coat with a hood, but that could be Peter. And they're like, okay, clearly it's a white man, but we don't know anything else about him. We just know his skin color and we know it's a man. Mm-hmm. Well, we think it could, I guess it could be a woman, but the hands look like a man. Ashley, what do you think? Who do you, who do you think it, it is? So at the beginning, I was just like, oh, it's just, it's just some random person, right? Mm-hmm. And then after Peter came down the stairs and then when he broke the window to get to Jess, I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And I totally thought it was Peter. And then when we had that final shot of seeing like the bodies that were still in the attic and realizing, oh my God, they didn't check the attic. Mm-hmm. And then the phone call, I was like, oh my God, it's just somebody around him. I never, I didn't really buy into that it was Chris, the boyfriend, because I don't know. I just believed him. I believed him in that fur coat with his he concern. Seems very sweet. Yeah, you know, and he was a townie, you know, so I just, 
I just felt like he had that heart of gold. But so they had a voice actor for Billy. And what I found was so interesting is that to get his voice to sound so fucked up, like at one point he essentially stood on his head. So it compressed his thorax and his diaphragm to sound really weird. And they actually had him overdub a few of Peter's lines to make it sound like it could have been Peter. And Nick, so Nick Mancuso. I, Nick Thank Mancuso. you. Yes, Nick mm-hmm. Mancuso. And so I, I fully, you know, believe in that. But yeah, I really think it was just my personal. Although Bob said to me, he was like, "What if it was the dude at the beginning with the longerish hair who oh, gives just the rando Claire's, on the street? yeah, who gives Claire's dad like all the directions? Where he's like, oh, well, you know, that's our that's our sister sorority, and like, oh, I can give you directions. And he was saying something about like the guy came over and apologized for having the snowball hit, you know, Mr. Harrison in the face. And Bob's like, where are the kids? Where are they? I was like, "Mm, interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I I like the idea that it's just like somebody who just stayed in the attic and never left too, because there are shots where you can tell there's a shadow in the background watching them. I know there's definitely a scene with, with Barb and Phil Phyllis, which is Andrea Martin talking in like the kitchen or dining room and you see a shadow behind them and to just have this idea of like this person is in your house Mm -hmm. just waiting for an opportunity. I know I kept thinking. So one of the reasons that I really like this movie and the reason I personally think it's just a rando is so as humans, you know, we try to have, we try to understand things and it's always more difficult when we don't understand a motivation or we can't understand why something's happening. And that's why I think part of this movie is so unsettling is not understanding the full story of the killer, but also the plausibility because I mean, you know, people get gross, weird calls. I mean, not maybe not so much now that we have caller ID, but before caller ID, like, I mean, you know, we get weird, like marketing calls yeah. now, but even, even trying Barb, to steal our information. Yeah. Even Barb at the beginning of this, she's like, I get these calls like twice a week, you know, yeah. in New York, it's not that big a deal. And it's funny. The first note I made, I was like, Moner is Louis CK. Oh. <laughs> oh God. Boo. Boo. I know that, I know. that first scene where they're, all the girls are around the phone listening to the moaner and just seeing their looks of disgust on there. Like it really shook me. I was like, Oh my God, this is like some guy is, is taunting them and it's really affecting them. Except Barb. Who's like, "Eh, not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just over the top in terms of like, really gross stuff that the guy's saying and now granted i know the actresses didn't actually hear that and you know nick mccuso did it later but the level of depravity that that guy says on the phone is so effective one because they don't show any of the things he's talking about on the phone but like you can just like feel it and like see it in your head and it already it sets up the tone for how depraved he's going to be for the rest of the film. But that's what really works, right? Because yes. so so much of film, like you have to use your imagination and you get really thrust into it. And so by not seeing those things or by not seeing all of the kills, your own imagination goes as far as you're going to let it go, you know? But, and the further you let it go, the more you're getting drawn into this film and getting freaked out. I mean, Graham, when you were talking about like somebody being behind you, I always get that like creepy feeling behind me. I literally looked at myself on our Zoom screen to be like, there's nobody behind me, right? I know, there's like this dark hallway right here. Oh my God, I don't even want to talk about it. It's too scary. (laughs) 
And, and turn on the lights. Yeah. The dark is scary. This is why I stay in my closet so I can tell <laughs> someone's in here. Um, but the language too, Katie. I mean, this was 1974, and the the words he was saying were mm-hmm. I was, I, that was probably really, really shocking to a lot of people. Yes. I mean, unless they were going to like you know hear stand up by Lenny, but <laughs> like, but <laughs> yeah, I was like, Ooh, I can't believe they were saying these words back in the 70s. I know. I know. And Ashley, to to your point about, you know, using your imagination, things like that, it has to be this film does it in an extremely clever way because I will always be the first one to complain when there aren't enough special effects or when the special effects look really bad or, Mm -hmm. you know, if they really cop out some of their kills. I mean, we were when we were talking about Halloween 3 even, we were all disappointed that we didn't see the, the drill. I mean, we were disappointed in, in a lot of that movie, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using it to illustrate a point. Yes, I agree. I agree. Which is funny because this one doesn't have any of that and you love it exactly. so much. Exactly. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you both, because this is technically one of our holiday films, what constitutes a holiday film for you Mm. And does this film meet those criteria? This is a good question. Because <laughs> okay, I it need need to have Christmas trees. There needs to be some holiday spirit in the film. Okay, I need to hear a carol or two. You have to use the time period, like the the time of the year, for this for the sake of the story. Okay, that's why I don't think Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Fuck you, Die Hard. Die Hard is, is not movie. a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas no, movie. No, there's a Christmas tree in the freaking corner wait. of the. No, it's not. It's not wait, a Christmas. Die Hard movie. is a Christmas movie. There's a Christmas tree. There is singing. They have they have, in in there's there's Carol or there's not you know Carol. You know why? You know why? Okay, I agree. It's a Christmas movie, but I hate it when everyone's like, "What's your favorite <gasps> Christmas?" Movie? Yes. And I was like, oh, Die Hard's my favorite Christmas. I know. Movie. I agree. It, they no. people just say that to be contrary. Give me a I, break. I, I get it. You're a guy. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, say something you actually enjoy. So it's. It's it's, I will I will die on that hill. That's fine. Ashley, what about you? <laughs> yeah, Ashley, what? So you know we talk about. Christmas I will die on the hill that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, <laughs> and I got Die Hard nails two years ago to prove. Oh, it. I remember they were those. That's fucking prepared. amazing. We'll sh- we'll share those out on our Instagram feed. You know what's interesting when when I think about a lot of the Christmas films I watch because I mean if we're talking holiday we can be really broad but we're talking like Christian Christmas quote-unquote holiday mm-hmm. movies, right? This isn't a war on Christmas, people. But, you know, if our conservative viewers want to fight me, that's fine. Who? Yeah, all the conservative listeners we have. You are here, right? <laughs> you know, at first I was thinking, like, oh, it's like there's like a holiday setting and there's a little romance. And I was like, ah, oh, that's just what I've been really watching a lot of. But, I mean, in the broadest sense, it takes place at the holiday, right? But I agree with you, Graham. To me... For me to be like, oh my gosh, such a great holiday movie. Like the holiday itself plays into the timeline a little bit. And so while I am still going to classify Black Christmas as a holiday movie, it really is just a horror movie that takes place at Christmas time, right? Like nobody's getting strangled to death with tinsel, oh, yep, right? Yep, yeah. They, it isn't like somebody's Santa and sneaking into people's homes and murdering them. It's, These are all things that have been it's done. Not the, it's movies, not right? Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> no. It's not the horrific Nobody Silent gets Night, stabbed, Deadly Night. stabbed with a pointy candy cane. Yeah, or an icicle. You know, mm-hmm. I, would even, I would even allow an icicle, but... 
Yeah, but I also think what's what's great is that we each get to define what a holiday film is or movie is to each of us, right? But the ones I, the ones that I watched growing up and just mainlined, like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Scrooged and The Santa Claus. Yes, sadly, The Santa Claus. No, it, I love it's that a movie. Good movie. The, despite Tim the Allen, the holiday. Yeah, despite Tim Allen, great movie. The sequels, two and three, not that mm. great. The holiday is central to the story. But I'm I Black Christmas still still a Christmas movie for me. Here's where I think it it uses its setting really well or in or in two of the kills. The first one is Claire. No one can hear her screaming because they're all downstairs opening presents for Mrs. Mm-hmm. Mac and they're all like, Oh me, look how we got you. Yay. Mm-hmm. And no one hears Barb getting killed because Jess is at the front door listening to Carolers. And yes. I was like, Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, that's why she could she couldn't hear them. Like like yeah. And I think that's like this is why it's like a well done screenplay because that makes sense why that happened. No one's looking mm-hmm. for Mrs. Mac because she said she'd be out of town, you know all that stuff. So yeah, and like why would they go check to see if her bags were gone? Yeah. like they wouldn't care. They'd be like, oh, she's gone. Yeah. I guess my question is, Katie, with horror, is what are other? I mean, we have Black Christmas, we have Silent Night, Deadly Night, we have Krampus. Are there mm-hmm. other like not necessarily Christmas horror films that you think are? based on around a holiday or, or something of that nature that you think are, are good or worth checking out like valentine's day oh oh any holiday yeah any Not holiday just any Christmas. holiday april Have april fool's april day, fool's day? <laughs> no <laughs> well obviously you know you have halloween you friday the 13th yeah i mean most of them a lot of them take right place around halloween i'm trying to yeah, it's interesting because it's it's obviously Halloween has all of them, and there are some Christmas ones, but it hasn't really kind of bled out, bled out, if you will, to to mm-hmm. other holidays. In my head, I'm like, oh, what Easter ones are there? I'm sure there is like a straight to video '90s <laughs> killer Easter bunny. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, is not the original story of Easter a bit of a horror film? Yeah, it's funny. There's this there's this terrible film called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. <gasps> oh, it's is it a musical? It, watch that. Uh, yes, it's it's it is. It's oh a, my god, Graham, think Actually, of the yes. genre. Can we get into more horror musicals? That yes. would be great. And there's some good ones, but think of a genre and shove it into that movie. Okay. You want it to be terribly bad or funny it is just it's just just bad the the worst thing that a bad film can be is boring Mm. and that one sucks but i think i think that happened around easter oh okay i can't i can't can't remember so listeners if i'm wrong please yell at me interesting but yeah just kindly correct her on (laughs) one of our social medias if you could pick a holiday to stage a horror film in what would it be i love how i just like plug in like a a hypothetical question at the end. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I want to be an asshole and be like Arbor Day. I was. <laughs> I'm like. I, don't I was going to pick Arbor like, Day. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! I, I was being a jerk because I was like, I like. Do we even? What is Arbor you Day? Celebrate are we trees? Trees? It's trees. You celebrate trees. Celebrate. So these is are. Is that not Earth Day? How many? How many the, celebrations does nature the need? These are trees, and I want the trees to be like. Well, even though it kind of happened in the happening, where like you know oxygen from the trees like made people kill themselves or something, like did anyone see the happening? No, but I've heard of it. No, I want the trees. You get the evil tree and evil dead. I want the trees to like uproot themselves and just like hurt people that are trying to cut down forests. <laughs> also, I feel like a total idiot. I forgot leprechaun. 
But is that <gasps> leprechaun is that a with a young Day? pre? It's a I young so. pre nose job Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, I and think Warwick has... Davis. Everyone mm-hmm. celebrate. Because I was trying to think, I'm like, what he holidays? Was... Ashley Warwick Davis was the star. I'm, I'm shaking my head. I don't know who he Warwick was. The Davis star is. of Willow. He was. Oh, he, he was also. Oh, he was okay. also in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, he was an Ewok. Mm-hmm. I mean, how am I supposed to know? You can't tell who the Ewoks are. Ashley, know your history. Wonderful name. <laughs> it's pretty clear. I don't, don't know shit. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, Multiple advanced would... degrees, yeah. and I got nothing. Yeah. Take one <laughs> of those like uh, fake holidays that social media came well, up with. Uh, we are we like, are cheese day. Yeah. Like national oh bun, bun you took, day. Like, national redheads day, and we all went. You all took revenge. Off our rockers and killed everyone. <laughs> The red just starts growing oh in. Oh, my God. And then all you can see is red. red. Yeah. Terrifying. I don't know. What about you, Graham? Well, Ashley took Arbor Day for me. You can have Arbor Day. I'm going to take Bastille Day, and it's just scary French people coming around being snobs to everybody in America. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but they actually rewrite their constitutions. It would be like, please save us. Please. How about National Ex-Boyfriend Day? How about that? That's my <gasps> horror film. Oh, my God. Go. I mean, there's a 1996 film called Uncle Sam, oh and it's a, a, an evil version of Uncle Sam coming to kill people. <laughs> I think I've heard of this one. Yeah. That looks so good. Yeah. I want to know more obscure or fake holidays that we could turn into horror films. I want to hear everyone's film treatment, just a paragraph Share it with us. Yeah. You can tweet at us or slide into our DMs yeah. or tag us on Instagram and let us know, like, what is, what holiday do you want to make a horror film about? Yeah. And we can, and like, the more yeah. absurd, the better. We'll feature it on a future episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I also want to acknowledge Thanksgiving, <gasps> a 2009 Thanksgiving horror movie. I just, these are so hard because I'm like, also really close to the reality yes. so yeah. you know there's also the ginger dead man oh i've heard of See, this one the titles make it so good Wait, that's I, really I like that. what i love we should, we should just put that on like once and we all watch it at the same time <laughs> oh my god we did maybe do that for our revenge yes, episode yes oh, oh i forgot about santa claus man okay like claws like c-l-a-w-s, C-L-A-W-S. Mm-hmm. okay all right, well, well, that's that's about it. But for next week, we've got one more Ugh. episode for our Holly Yay series. Ashley, would Holly you like Yay. to? Our season finale. Oh, my God, it is our it season is our finale. Season. Our, our 2020 season finale. Yes. Mm-hmm. So make sure you watch what Ashley's going to make us. Yeah. What Ashley's going to introduce <laughs> us to. Make us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make you. Force you. Yeah, next week, we are going to be watching... 1994's Mixed Nuts mm. by director Nora Ephron. Finally, something that I can relate to. <laughs> something that you can relate to. Right? This is the one and Nora it's... I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Neither of you have seen it. It was this quirky movie that I think I just like sort of stumbled upon in the 90s. We watched a lot of Nora Ephron in my household. We would repeatedly watch Sleepless in Seattle and... Ugh other things yeah it's essentially one crazy night (laughs) using that word in particular around a crisis hotline business during the christmas holidays and 
a number of the characters are representative of different Christmas people oh. type things. I'll just I'll just I'll tease you with that oh. so that when you watch it, you can see who they represent. But it's a really great cast. Is this with, with Steve Martin? Yes, with Steve Martin. Okay, so it is, segueing in mm-hmm. from from Black Christmas into McNuts, we have a very good segue because Steve Martin friggin' loves this movie. No way. Black he's, Christmas? He's, yeah, he's seen it like a million times. When he met Olivia Hussey, he said to her, oh my God, you are in one of my all-time favorite movies. And she thought he meant Romeo and Juliet, but he actually meant Black Christmas. That is so funny. Well, wow. Yeah. How kismet that, we, that you picked that, actually. I like that. Didn't yeah. even plan it. So yeah, so join us next week for, for Mixed Nuts. Awesome. It's going to be really good. Sounds good. Can I do a really quick tiny let me introduce yes. you? Yes. 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 Okay. So, it's a tiny, let me introduce you. No, don't make that our theme song. That's I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Too late. Oh, shit. Already done. <sighs> Never let yourself be recorded, kids. So, I am obviously a big lover of Christmas, right? But I am obsessed with finding really great Christmas candles. Oh. And just, like, really great scented candles. Like scented so or, just, like, shapes or both? Scented. No, okay. not shapes. It's got to be the smell. Okay. Because, you know, so much... Scent is such a powerful way to trigger memories, mm-hmm. and I need anything to help me remember things. So I'm going to recommend from Santa's Naturals the Fraser Fir candle. Mm-hmm. So Santa's Naturals is part of it's. Uh, it's made by Murphy's Naturals Incorporated. It's a it's a company out of North Carolina, and we actually got this at at the co-op where Bob works, but. It is fantastic. I'm burning one right now. I have it burns for 30 hours. We got one less than a week ago. It's almost gone. Oh no. <laughs> because I just am burning it constantly. So, if you're looking for that sweet sweet, you know, pine needle scented Christmas oh, yes. without being super artificial, like this is it feels like an actual tree is there and I feel like it's a little for us when we're recording, it's a little too early for me to get a Christmas tree. Go for Santa's natural. I love it. What's the retail price? Candle. In the Midwest, it's eleven ninety nine. That's good for a candle. That's fantastic. That is good that's for good. a candle. I love getting well, older a- and becoming like obsessed with candles. I love it. I know we have like seven in my direct eyesight right now. Ugh. We, sm- we got we got these national park scented ones. It's like one is like named Zion and one's named Yellowstone and one's named you know whatever, and they all are supposed to smell like the park. That they're named after. They're really lovely. Love candles. I'm gonna go look for those. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I wonder if the Tetons one smells just like perfection, because the Tetons are perfection to me. Well, thank you, Ashley, for that introduction. I do love Christmas candle-y smell yeah. things. And thank you all for joining us. Please make sure to interact with us and do all the homework we have assigned you Please. this and previous episodes by Shower coming us. to our Shower us with <laughs> to our Instagram <laughs> at Let Me Intro You Pod or on Twitter at Let Me Intro You, and we would love to interact with you. And yeah, thank you so we much for joining us. We would also like us. it if you could, um, you know, rate us. And, oh, yes. Uh, leave reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Cause yes, please. That's how we can have more people introduced to our shenanigans. Yes. What we call ourselves? Mm-hmm. Just a little shenaniganery. That works. Shenanigiggery. <laughs> Shenanigiggery. Shenanigiggery. A new favorite. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye-bye.
Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.